0: truly believed in this company and really thought it was going somewhere. But at the end of it I seen the through callers. If I knew then what I know now, I would have went and got a two year degree in computer science. And I could have done that because I just wasted two years with him. That that's that's the part that gets me really, really upset. It was like the reason I was pushing myself to do this every day was to not go back to coal mining. You know, that was my drive. I do not want to go back underground. I do not want to go back underground. If I give this 110%, I feel that it's going to pay off. And at the end of the game, I still have to go back underground because they, you know, just abruptly fired me. I wish I would have got a degree.
1: Over a year ago, in the early weeks of 2018, a colleague shared with me a story about a coding boot camp that was looking to train out-of-work coal miners for jobs in the tech industry. Mind Minds was launched in Southwestern, Pennsylvania, by Amanda Locker, who comes from a family of coal miners, and her husband, Jonathan Graham. Their organization had received a lot of positive media coverage from outlets like NPR, CNN, and CBS. They, along with other workforce development organizations, had also received a grant from the Appalachian Regional Commission worth $1.5 million, and they had begun training dozens of future coders already. Their model seemed really promising. They would train people for free and then employ them as apprentices for a time with their affiliated for-profit software consultancy business. They said they could train just about anyone to do this work regardless of their previous experience and even gave some of their learners new computers. I think a lot of people got really excited by their story because if it could work in Appalachia, maybe it could work in other places too. But then other reports started emerging. Some graduates of the program were reportedly laid off after just a few days of work on the for-profit business side. In late 2017, two former learners who had gone through the program, Ty Cook and Tori Frame, launched a class action lawsuit against Mind Minds, arguing that they had been promised pay to attend a program that they never received. The first three episodes of Code Burst went over everything up to that point. When I began covering this story, I believed that the suit would progress and there would be more and more to report. But then nothing happened for months. Depositions did not occur until the spring of 2019, and when they did, they weren't the kind that you would find in a John Grisham novel. According to articles out from Post Industrial and the New York Times, both of which gained access to sections of the sworn deposition, Amanda Locker doubled down on her position that the students were only promised pay as apprentices, not as students. In other words, not much had changed. Both sides maintained their positions. Prior to that, Former MindMind students told me that the organization had dismissed all of their existing classes and students. The only people working in MindMinds were members of the Locker family. These are Amanda, her brother Marvin, and her sister Heather Shockney. It was unclear if the Lockers were even still operating as MindMinds or if they were just freelancing on their own. Amanda also tweeted that she had been accepted into law school it really seemed like things were winding down. Then, on August 14th, Jonathan Graham tweeted the following, quote, pleased to announce that the lawsuit against Mind Minds has been dismissed. The legal process worked as intended. Now, he has a colon in a list here. Anyone can file a complaint. Evidence is collected. Depositions are taken. Case dismissed. We wish the very best to the two program dropouts that filed the suit, end quote. When I began reporting on Mind Minds, many folks I contacted did not want to get in touch with me. But throughout the summer, more and more people started reaching out. These follow-up episodes are intended to capture the experience of former learners of Mind Minds. It all started with a great idea coding work is in high demand, so if someone could train people for this work in underserved communities, that can raise everyone up and bring business back into any region. These episodes are intended to discuss where that vision fell to the wayside and reality set in. This episode I got in touch with Billy Jack Buzzard. He's a 7th generation coal miner who is also an amazing student at Mind Minds, and as such, he spoke to a lot of the media about Mind Minds. For example, here's a segment from CBS.
2: In Boone County, West Virginia, coal mining has provided work for seven generations of Billy Jack Buzzard's family. When did you become a coal miner?
0: Uh, 18 years old. Right out of high school? Yes, ma'am.
2: Three years ago, Buzzard
0: lost his job at this coal plant. It was horrible, you know. I, I, I got laid off, lost my vehicle, lost my house. Did
2: you have a plan B?
0: No, there was no plan B.
2: But the 29-year-old found one in June, swapping his hard hat for a laptop. He was accepted into a free training program called Mind Minds that teaches former coal miners to become computer coders, creating apps, websites, and games.
1: This Founder
2: Amanda Locker started the nonprofit in Pennsylvania in 2015 because her younger brother was worried about losing his coal mining job. In just a few months we realized oh my gosh they're actually really good they're doing stuff they're going off and learning stuff that i didn't even know yet u.s senator joe manchin invited the group to his state we saw that and we, we called him and said would you come to our jobs fair manchin helped mind minds establish headquarters near west virginia's capital with federal grants do you think coding is a game changer for west virginia i think it gives us a chance to diversify ourselves and be something that people think we're not. Manchin points out modern mining and coding require similar skills, especially in math and problem
0: solving. We're not a bunch of idiots out here, we're not a bunch of hillbillies, we're not a bunch of hilljacks. Uh, There are some very smart individuals here. Buzzard's ultimate goal, helping
2: turn his home from coal country to code country. Weijia Jang, CBS News, Clendenin, West Virginia.
1: Now, all of that obviously has not come to pass. I'm going to let him tell the rest of the story.
0: I was in West Virginia when I first heard about it. I was at the tattoo shop, and um, I heard there was uh, I heard about mine mines, and they was offering full, uh, free class to to coal miners, I laid off coal miners, and getting them back into the uh, into the working, pretty much. At first I was a little skeptical about it. It was a little and, and it was gonna do it for free. It was a little sketchy at first. The skepticism stayed with me there a little bit through the first week or so. Um a little unorganized to a degree because they had two different classes going on. You had the Clinton and class, which I was a part of, and then you had the Beckley class. Mm-hmm. And that we was required two days a week to be there. Um and Beckley was opposite of us. So they had two, two, two opposite days to be there, um, at their location. So, and, at, at, you know, first thoughts still thought it was a little bit of a scam.
1: Were you working, uh, like full time, five days a week type deal. And did you alter that schedule to take part in the course?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was working, I was working at the tattoo shop at the time. Um, I would, uh, I was at the mandatory days and when the mandatory days, I think mine was Mondays and third Mondays and Wednesdays were my mandatory days mm-hmm. and I had to be there eight hours. So I would go, I would I would go every day, uh, until the tattoo shop would open up. I would leave at 12 or one o'clock and then go, go to the tattoo shop. But, um, on Mondays and Wednesdays, I stayed there the full eight hours and then went over, went back to the shop afterwards. Oh yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I, I I work my schedule around them.
1: Right. So you were going into the uh Klendenin office every day of the week. Is that right?
0: Yes.
1: Okay. Yep. And just to what kind of like do extra lessons, do extra learning, like if or is was that part of the curriculum as well?
0: No, that was that was me trying to better myself. Mm -hmm. Um, they would give us assignments or homework of some sort. And if I wasn't caught up, then I would finish my homework on those days. If I was caught up, then I would, um, I would go in there and, and add something to, um, add something to the homework. Um, or, you know, I was really intrigued when I first started, you know, really getting the hang of CSS, I got really intrigued by JavaScript. So I went through and added a lot of JavaScript on some of my older assignments that was gave to me, and then even continued to add that onto my my new assignments. Right. But those extra days helped me; they benefited me.
1: Right. So, in the grand scheme of things, like compared to other people, you were a real go-getter in the course. You were like kind of really going above and beyond what they are asking for.
0: Right. Right. Because I seen you know, once 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 I figured out that. I really did enjoy what what I was doing. It it was there. I mean, I I, I pushed myself to another level. I'm like, I can see the potential of making really good money in this field. And being a tattoo artist, having that design aspect was good. You know, knowing what looks good, knowing what colors complement each other. And then on top of that, knowing how to build something from the back end, that's why I pushed myself was because I seen the potential on how much this could, you know, help me. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, so as the course went on and you continued to learn, uh, did anything about the organization stand out to you? Like, did you, uh, kind of change your mind about whether or not the whole thing was a scam or not?
0: Yeah, no, totally. You know, like I said, when I started going every day, I was, they had me, I had 100% of me. Um, I gave them everything I could and more. And I, you know, and I, they did see that. I mean, I, I really, truly seen, I, I really feel that they seen that I was putting forth, the, you know, 100%, 110% of my, my, myself because as time went on, I, I really, I really believed in this. This could really bring West Virginia, not even just coal miners. This could bring West Virginia to another level. So yeah, I mean it, it, that all went away uh, within the first you know two weeks.
1: Mm-hmm. So um, you you wrap up with your cohort, you you finish the learning process, and uh, and you begin working as an apprentice with the for profit consultancy side of things uh yep. what what's uh how are you feeling as you start getting to work how how's the how's the day to day at that point
0: uh, at that at that point it's kind of baby steps um they really didn't throw anything that we couldn't handle at us you could tell at uh, some point as we as you know as we went on that that that, that excuse would only last so long though for being and you know for being fresh at what you knew, because as I, as I'm coming up at that time, some of the guys that are two three months ahead of me, or possibly you know six months ahead of me, they're getting. Well, you should know better than this. Why are you? Why are you? Why are, Why do you not know this? Hmm. Well, I was an apprentice for six months. Uh, then I was brought on as a full-time employee. We had a couple people leave. Um, we had uh, they asked me to 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 be an instructor when we oh when we opened the Logan office. That's when they asked me to be an instructor.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you like sign a contract at all when you became a full-time employee?
0: Uh, when I became a full-time employee, um, I signed an employee handbook. I never. Um, never got a contract. Now, when I become an apprentice, I got a contract and signed that. It was just like when I become a full-time employee, it was like, you know, they pulled me over to a Zoom meeting, which is a video conference, and said, uh, hey, you know, you've been doing a really good job, and uh, we want to bring you on full-time.
1: Did anything, like, change when you became a full-time employee?
0: I got more – I did get more one-on-one contact with the – um the clients, the clients we were working with, um, we—I did get a lot of a, a lot of interaction on that end of it. But um, when I when I right before I or right when they brought me on as a full time employee, right after that I was an instructor. Um, then I had to take care of two classes on top of do client work too. And if I didn't produce on client work, there was a backlash over it. You know, they'd always tell me balance, juggle it. So, I mean, and, and and just to be frankly honest, the the class took the blunt end of that deal because I was too focused on doing my job than to really help out that class the way I should have.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was in there five days a week. I mean, and the class the class was uh, again two mandatory days, but we would have the office open, so we'd have students come in on off days too, like myself that I would you know, I couldn't ignore them. I was going to help them out as much as I possibly could. And there's been plenty of times I've worked out past hours.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I get the sense that there's kind of like an attitude with a lot of tech companies to kind of bootstrap no matter what. Mm-hmm. People like to say, like, we're not a problems company, we're a solutions company, you know, it's like... We don't want to hear about the issues that that are going on. We want to produce results, no matter what yep uh do you think that's like far off the mark
0: no that's that's right on I've seen that in other other ways uh one of the employees was late for a client meeting. He was before me. he was a senior developer. I was a junior um and he was teaching the class also. And he was late, ten minutes late for a client meeting. They 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 fired him for it because he was he was ten minutes late because he was in there helping the students, and they all knew that.
1: That was the reason stated as he was he was fired because he was ten minutes late for this client meeting. Yes. Whoa.
0: Yes, it, it's all sporadic. It's never there's never really. It's like making the rules up as you go. So if this person was ten minutes late, they went ahead and fired that person, not giving him another chance. Or I'm not saying you have to give him another chance, but not, but not hearing him out pretty much. The next week when he's fired, hey, if you're late for a client meeting, you're, you're fired. It's a fireable offense now, and then so forth and so on. I mean, it was it was it was kind of just make it up as you go. And if you got on their their bad side, you never got off of it.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And and last time we spoke, you told me about the TEAL meetings that would happen every week. I'm just going to jump in quickly here. TEAL organization theory was first put forward by someone named Frederick Laloux in the book Reinventing Organizations. It came out in 2014. TEAL organization theory, among other things, prioritizes self-management via colleague relationships maintained in an organization teal meetings at Mind Minds tended to consist of employees or apprentices evaluating the work of one of their peers without them being present in the room.
0: Right so the teal meetings were over an individual and this was supposed to be better than just firing the person. They would really they would get a group of people whoever they John and Amanda decided to use or to ask advice. I was a part of a couple of them. But they would get there. They would, you know, kind of do the way the pros and cons of that person. Pretty much they would bash that person. The four individuals would talk and then tell John and Amanda what they come up with. And then ultimately it, it fall on John and Amanda's hands to either, you know, punish them or fire them.
1: When they were happening, did people know what was going on?
0: Sometimes they didn't. Sometimes they did. Sometimes they did. And if I got called off to the side, then one of the other guys would kind of pick up a little bit. Then I was pulled off to the side um, for a reason, and then vice versa. If I, if you know, if I wasn't pulled off and somebody else was pulled off to the side, I knew there was something going on there.
1: Got in touch with the media for a little bit to, you know, talk about Mind Minds. What was that whole experience like for you, and how did you feel about uh, doing all that stuff?
0: Uh, you know, I, it was it was cool. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I was I was I was pretty excited about talking to them. Um, at the time, I was talking to these these reporters and documentaries and all this. I, I've talked to endless people for this company. Um, it was, it was, it was amazing. You know, I was able to really kind of put West Virginia on the spot, coal miners on the spot and, and just show that, you know, where we stood at, you know, we weren't a bunch of dumb hillbillies and that was, you know, it was, it was wonderful, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: but going, you know, at the time, awesome. But sitting back now, they was, they was using me. Uh, there's not a doubt in my mind. I, I spoke to um, one of the reporters um, and they told me, said that, you know, they pointed me right to you. They said, go talk to him. He's he's our star student. Um, and I, I really feel that they directed the media towards me. For one, I was a coal miner that wasn't a family member of hers. And I have, I, and, and my story, my, you know, my background it's pretty, you know, it's pretty in-depth story, you know, uh, coming from a seventh generation coal miner. Um, That's the, the, I really felt that they pushed that on me just for the publicity. Mm -hmm.
1: And did you ever go on any of the the traveling and to tech conferences that where they went as well?
0: Yep. Yes. Yes. Um, You know, uh, this goes back and when I was going through the class I also come into my first three months as my apprentice. I was doing another class for them that they asked me. Um, and the reason I bring this up is because Jonathan put on a tweet after I'd talked to the reporters after they fired me, that he put a, a smart LA comment on, on Twitter, and that's what he threw up into my face pretty much, was that they paid for all this stuff. Um, they come to me and asked me to take this UX course for GA. They chose me and another employee to do this because of our front-end work. So they they paid for my class to go to GA. Uh, I did not ask for that. They they offered it to me. Um, The same way with these trips and these tech conferences, I was asked to go to these. I got to go on the trip to Cuba, Uh, the off-site meetings, uh, to talk about the, the future of the company. I was asked to go to that one after I graduated my UX class. I went to um, New York for a day to a conference, and it was just Jonathan there. Um, But then again, I was asked to do this. I didn't, you know, I, you know, I never once asked for anything in return. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I also taught EMCA classes in Morgantown on Saturday and Sundays. I think I ended up going up three or four times on a Saturday and a Sunday and teaching. That was all voluntarily, and I volunteered to do that. They would pay for your gas.
1: Cool. And so um, do you mind uh, kind of going over uh, the events leading up to you getting fired?
0: Like like we had talked about earlier, the till meetings, you kind of knew in the office when the till meeting was going on um for the for the last month or so right uh, so i was fired in march so uh february i was i was kind of getting that you know that vibe i knew something was up there was meetings that i wasn't called into and at that time i was the senior guy the only senior developer at um logan in that office so i knew something was kind of up and i told my wife you know i was like hey you know i have a feeling that this is this is, they're, they're getting ready to fire me. And, you know, I even talked to a couple of the previous employees about it and, and told them, I said, you know, and you know, they, they all laughed at me, but I always said we, everybody had an expiration date there. Um, and that's what I would, I'd message them all the time is like, yeah, my, my expiration date's coming up. I said, it, it it's getting closer. I, I can tell by some of, some of, uh, Amanda's comments, her attitude, some of the questions that she was asking me, um, just kind of off the wall, left field kind of stuff. And, I mean, in all honesty, I called, you know, I knew they was going to trip me up on my time. Earlier that earlier the day I was fired, we was in a meeting. We had meetings every morning at 9 o'clock, stand up. And we talk about what we're going to work on, and it's Marvin and Heather delegate work because they're the seniors and uh, they're over me.
1: But that's Marvin and Heather, uh, Locker. Well, Heather is, uh, not Locker anymore. She's married, but, uh, yeah. both siblings of Amanda. Right?
0: right, right. These are both siblings of Amanda. At this, at this time, that's the only two other than myself that have, um, uh, they have the most experience. Everybody knew what everybody was doing. Um, and we never really worked alone. We would always pair up. So we're working on a um, a client, a new client. I kind of veered off to to work on one one piece myself, and I had another person working with me. And we was we was doing some things here and there. There was a button that needed to be taken out. I, I took out a button to kind of speed the process up because it was just a like a dummy site to see if they would like what we produced Um, no big issue I didn't think it was Um, and then Marvin really kind of got upset and was well why'd you take the button out we put this button in you know we want this to look real and I'm like okay that's fine you know I'll put it back in Um, and at that time I'm not really enjoying the way he's speaking to me so I can I knew in my voice I wasn't being upset but I was I was just saying okay sounds good I can put it back in there no problem Um, and it just went on and on. And Amanda spoke up and said, you know, where's all the animosity at? And, you know, and at that point when she jumped in there and that, that was pointed towards me, you know, I said, you know, I don't know what's up, Amanda. Uh, He's getting tore down over a button. I said, I don't know why. Well, no sooner than I said that, it was, the meeting was over, um, no, con- no, no comments were said on, on Slack, which is our uh, communications, is how we talk to everybody. Nothing's going on in Slack. Everything's quiet. I'm going to, I'm, I'm continuing to work. And i then looked over at the guy I was working with, and I said, yeah, I'm fired. I said, I know it's coming. 1130 rolls around, and Marv shows up to the Logan office. Well, Marv works from home. He doesn't even work at the Logan office. So I knew something was up. He walks in, what's up, buds? Like, nothing's going on. And walks over to one of the side rooms and then pulls in. You know, he comes back, pulls me over and says, hey, you know, can I, can I talk to you? And I was like, I knew it. I knew it was coming. So we went over to the next room, and it was him, Mar- Marvin, Heather, and Amanda on the video conference. Amanda comes off and says, you know, we uh, we think that you, you you lied on your time. Uh, you, you falsified your time. Um, I was like, okay. I was like, how's that? And she said, You was working on this project but we know you wasn't. And I said, Okay, how do you know I wasn't? And she's like, As a team we've 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 collected that you wasn't. I was like, Okay. And at that point I knew there wasn't no arguing because I know for a fact that I have commits on GitHub. That show that I was working on this project. So, you know, instead of sitting there trying to argue with them and to blow this out of proportion because they was gonna fire me regardless of what I had to say or what I what I told them. Um, I said, Okay, thanks. And, you know, I said, Are we done here? i 'Cause I'm I'm done I'm done talking about it and I walked out and I got my stuff and, and left. But that was that was basically how they, they, they told me that I lied on my time, but I was a salary employee. And I was, I had commits on my GitHub to prove that I was working on that project.
1: Why, I guess, why do you think you got fired? If it clearly wasn't that you had misstated your time?
0: I was one of the last people that knew their ways, their old, their old ways of doing work. Uh, so they was starting to bring in new stuff, doing, doing some different things, um, But all in all, I really think I hit my peak at that company, that there was a certain point that they had to let people go because uh, the other employee that was fired for being 10 minutes late to a client meeting worked there the exact amount of time that I did. It just seemed like there was an expiration date there.
1: Right. So you'd kind of outlived how useful you were to the organization?
0: Pretty much. Then you become an experience.
1: Interesting. So in other words, they, you know, their kind of talent pipeline. It's like train junior developers, uh, mm-hmm. you know, get them to work on certain things for a certain amount of time in the for-profit consultancy if they could make it to a certain level. But then once they once they had done that for long enough, they were out the door.
0: Right. Right. I worked on a total of two projects the whole time I was working there. And I ramped up the first one, me and another person, uh, through my first three months of my apprenticeship. Then the r- remainder of the—I the, was there almost two years, including my class time. But I was altogether 14 months that I was with them. Uh, I was on one project. And it was getting towards the end of ramping that project up and a new cohort was coming up too. You know, when a new cohort would come in, you'd see one of the salary person, you know, mess up
1: hmm. and get fired. Did you get the feeling that that was like a calculated move that, you know, they kind of were looking out for their own bottom line with that, with that uh, strategy?
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, at first, no, but now, uh, now that I've had time to sit back and really think about what they was doing, sure. Hmm.
1: And uh, when you were let go along with the other people who were mentioned, did you have the sense you know, that you were qualified to take up similar work for other companies?
0: I did, but I didn't. Um, because we was taught their way. or pu- if it wasn't for myself pushing me, pushing to learn JavaScript, they wasn't teaching JavaScript. very little at that. Um, they started after I'd done what I'd done through the class and seemed to adapt that into the into the workflow for the next cohort. But it was we learned their way. We learned an older language. Uh, yeah, it was the base for all this other language. And I'm not saying I didn't learn something because I totally, I, I really did. I put in for application. I, I put in for for job interviews, um, and and I I went through one interview with a company, and I went to as far as talking to somebody. And when they asked me if I had a college education, I said no. I said I have a boot camp, and they they said, well, we you know they pretty they couldn't get off the phone with me fast enough. Hmm. Another thing too is that that didn't help the process is we was under their GitHub, so when they kicked me off when I was fired, they kicked me off of GitHub.
1: So you couldn't show all the work that you'd done. No,
0: I had no way of showing any of the any of the things that you know. I did some pretty pretty cool stuff in the project that we was working on. And I have no way of showing that off. Wow.
1: So let's get back to kind of like the original idea behind mind Mines that you could train uh, out-of-work coal miners or other people in Appalachia to do coding work remotely and use that as an influx of you know, an, an economic surge into the region. Right. Do you think that is still a viable thing that could happen?
0: Maybe. It would it would have to really they'd have to really pull all the stops out for for people to join something like that. I mean, in all honesty, I the way the way that, that my mind minds has done everybody now. Everybody's too skeptical about doing anything. Um, you know, you, there was 30 people that started my class. There was the same amount in Beckley. Then the next cohort was just as big. But as the cohorts went through, they got just a little bit smaller and a little bit smaller. I just, I don't think, uh, if it was done right, yes. Um, But right now, no.
1: Looking back now, do you have any final thoughts on your experience with the organization?
0: All in all. I really, really, truly come out learning something. That part they—they they, that that part they promised, and I received. So I am thankful for for that that that. I mean, and in the beginning, I really truly believed in this company, and really thought it was going somewhere. But at the end of it, I seen the true colors. If I knew then what I know now. I would have went and got a two-year degree in computer science. And I could have done that because I just wasted two years with him. That's the part that gets me really, really upset. It was like, the reason I was pushing myself to do this every day was to not go back to coal mining. You know, that was my drive. I do not want to go back underground. I do not want to go back underground. If I give this 110%, I feel that it's going to pay off. And at the end of the game, I still have to go back underground because they, you know, just abruptly fired me. I wish I would have got a degree.
1: have Been listening to Code Burst. My name is Henry Kronk. A text transcript of this episode is available at eLearningInside.com, and another episode featuring an interview with former Mind Minds learner Susan Graves will be out next week. I'd like to thank Billy Jack and all the former Mind Minds learners who have been in touch with me lately. Uh, The show's logo was designed by Katrina Gibbs, and the music you heard is from Daniel Monkman, who is currently playing as Zoon, that's Z-O-O-N. Since the first episodes of Codeburst came out, Dan has signed with the label and put out an EP called Bleached Waves, which you can stream on SoundCloud. Zoon is currently working on a follow-up EP, and that'll be available in the near term. Once again, my name is Henry Kronk. If you want to get in touch, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Henry underscore Kronk. Thank you very much for listening.